This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years with expertise across income and alternatives. Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. Today on Watching Your Wealth, risks and opportunities facing investors. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Marina Gross is Executive Vice President of the Portfolio Research and Consulting Group at Nataxis Global Asset Management. Welcome, Marina. It's great to be here. Marina, so there is no shortage of risks for investors these days. Wondering which ones are you watching most closely? Sure. Yeah, no shortage of risk these days or ever um, in the financial markets. Um, What we're kind of keenly focused on these days um, is what appears to be um, some complacency and some artificial um, calm uh, in the markets. So we've been living in momentum-driven or kind of one-sided markets for several years now. Um, And the kind of the one-sided market I would describe is, you know, falling volatility, um, generally falling interest rates, and generally rising stock prices. So we've seen um, a very consistent, almost kind of patent um, behavior in the markets across equities, uh, rates, and volatility. And so we know that um, markets cycle uh, because economies and businesses cycle. And so, you know, what we're sort of keenly aware of is that um, mean reversion is inevitable. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. I mean, and no one has a crystal ball, but if you had a guess, when? <laughs> Well, we might see some pullback. Yeah, um, I mean, it, you know, what, what we see uh, fundamentally now is still uh, fairly strong economic figures coming out. Um, we obviously um, see a very kind of gradual, uh, modest stance from the Fed, and we also have seen strong earnings across the board with some notable exceptions in the retail space and so forth. So that's obviously all supportive. Uh, for markets. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily, or we don't necessarily see any change, uh, dramatic change in the very short term, um, but it, it'll be there on the horizon and investors need to be prepared. You definitely want to talk more about getting prepared. First, though, I want to talk more about how, as investors, we calculate in or factor in things like black swan events, whether it's something you know wild happening in North Korea or, or some other massive scale cyber attack. When you're an investor, how do you what, what's the calculus on those? Sure. Um, you know, the best way to handle that is not to try to adjust the portfolio episodically, but really to to have a properly diversified portfolio, um, you know, for all times. And, you know, proper diversification is easier said than done. We all, uh, many of us can recall um, back in 2008 when we thought we had diversified portfolios or we had exposure to a variety of sectors and countries and asset classes. But when the market went into free fall, um, those, those, 
uh, correlations or the interaction between um, those assets changed considerably and subjected portfolios to much greater downside and much greater risk. So when we advise um, our clients on diversification, we're talking um, there need to be diversifying assets in the portfolio, like alternative investments. Um, There also need to be kind of innately um, or inherently risk-mitigating assets in the portfolio, like shorter duration, high-quality fixed income. Um, And diversification needs to be sort of thoroughly, you know, kind of thoroughly expressed at the portfolio level, at the asset class level, as well as at the constituent or individual um, security level. Those are some great tips. I'm wondering how you as a professional investor and also as an individual, how do you not for lack of a better word, freak out when the market drops 40, 50 percent and you're looking at your, your you know investment balance and it's it's dropped so much. How do you stick to that thesis? How do you stick to the long term financial plan? Sure. And I think that, again, circles back to, um, a, you know, a properly diversified portfolio. So uh, to the extent that you've constructed the portfolio in a way that, you know, favors kind of balance and diversity and so forth, then although you see the market dropping, you certainly see your portfolio much more resilient um, under those circumstances. And so that is the very thing, um, If done again, if done properly and done um, substantively, that is the very thing that will keep investors um, invested for the for the long term, right? Don't just m- mindlessly fill out your advisor's risk uh, questionnaire. Actually, think about the answers and maybe sleep on it and see how you would feel if, in fact, your risk tolerance shows or your results show that you know your portfolio could drop forty percent. And th- then, what are you going to do? Are you still comfortable with that asset allocation? Precisely, yes. Marina, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love to hear more of your advice to investors. This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income in portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principal is possible. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. What's the future of space and the law? Companies like Elon Musk's SpaceX. High-tech guns. This is about choice in types of guns offered for sale. Brain implants. They didn't know how effective this was going to be. Urban farming. But what about a building that's 30 stories tall? And the mass production of meat. Now these cells came from a duck. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with New Texas Marina Gross, who's telling us about the risks and opportunities facing investors. would love to hear more about where you think investors might be underinvested these days. Yeah, great question. Um, the most notable place where we see investors underinvested is um, in international equity markets. Uh, so this has been, um, you know, this has been an interesting um, topic as of late, and we've seen international equity markets, both developed and emerging, uh, show some strength um, early on this year with double-digit gains in both markets. However, um, we think that's just kind of early stage and early innings. Um, in the U.S., it's notable that um, 
investors have a very pronounced home country bias. Uh, I would also um, offer that the home country bias among U.S. investors is greater than it is among, you know, sort of non-U.S. investors. Um, and to, to quantify that for you or to put it in, in, in context, about three-quarters of the equity um, exposure in portfolios of a moderate risk profile is U.S. equity versus a quarter or so in non-U.S. equity. Wow. So it's sort of a very out-of-balanced um, uh, ratio there. And as we see um, fundamentals improve across the globe in terms of economies strengthening, uh, political risks receding, and importantly in places like Europe, you know, kind of monetary policy still uh, fairly accommodative, we think that there's, you know, room for international uh, equity markets, particularly developed markets, to perform better than they have recently and better than some of the uh, alternatives. What do you think's behind that home country bias so many of us have? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a natural human instinct to kind of invest in or buy what you know. Um, I think fortunate for U.S. investors, we have a deep and large um, and highly productive um, financial market. Um, and we have, you know, a, a, a tremendous, we've had t- tremendous economic growth um, over the years, over the decades. So um, I think having a home country bias for U.S. investors hasn't necessarily been a, a bad thing, not right. to mention um, that we've had a lot of currency strength um, over the decades, which, of course, leads to better returns for U.S. investors um, investing locally. So um, there have been many supportive factors. However, um, concentrating too heavily in your in, in you know your own home country, of course, exposes you to risks and also exposes you to opportunity cost, where um, econo- economies might be moving faster and the political um, and monetary environment might be more supportive. Marina, if you had to give investors one or two things to expect or look out for in the next, say, three to four months. What would those things be? Would it be more volatility? Would it be more geopolitical uncertainty? Like, if you had to rank two things, what would you rank? Yeah, number one, I would say volatility. Um, and I know this has been explored, um, you know, to a great extent in, 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 um, in the media and so forth. But I think volatility is something to keep a very close eye on. Um, a couple of stats that I think are, are interesting and noteworthy. So, um, you know, there's this notion of um, selling volatility um, or going short volatility, and that's basically betting that volatility will fall. That trade um, has generated 60% returns year in and year out over the last eight years. Amazing. So um, investors have made tremendous, um, uh, tremendous returns and tremendous money on betting basically that volatility will um, fall and continue to fall. So with any with any sort of contrary perspective or view, you've got to believe that um, that has to reverse at some point. Um, we've seen also um, very few days. It's, it's actually the, the, the specific numbers. It's 11 days out of the last 7,000 or so since 1990 where um, the VIX index has closed below 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of those 11 days that we've seen that, two of them have occurred in May. 
So we're really seeing kind of rock bottom um, volatility levels and a lot of downward pressure on volatility um, coming into this kind of period of uncertainty. So um, recently over the last couple of days, we've seen a slight uptick and my expectations are is that we're going to continue to see more of that in the near future. To look out for that. Thank you so much for joining us, Marina. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Take care. And do you have a personal finance or investing question you'd like us to answer? Email us at podcast at dowjones.com. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's like having a crystal ball inside your earbuds. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.